Mac football pod. Caleb, uh, you covered a football game where there was a ton of mud, like a literal ton of mud was involved in that football game. And I want to hear more about it. Well, I guess I could start off by saying that of the two teams playing there, it's Glenbard West and Glenbrook South. The game is at Glenbard West in the kind of like the Western Chicago suburbs. And Glenbard West is like the exact type of like suburban school that breeds these big old offensive linemen. Or were they, the, were they, were they the team that was favored? Yes. And they're in like the Mac schools love to go after these types of guys. I think right now, I don't know his name. They had this big old dude and I saw the, like people flocking to him after the game. And I'm sure a little actual research would tell me that he's being recruited heavily by somebody. But of course I didn't do that research because what am I a good reporter? Uh, and all that's to say, they're a football team in the biggest class in the state. They have a they have a storied history. They were like one of those kind of like top twenty five national programs a couple of years ago that actually gained prominence and people knew about them up from all over the country because they were that good back like five six years ago. And they run this. They both teams ran this traditional like option. Put everything everybody in the box. See if our guys can beat your guys. Type of offense. Uh, there were some like veer concepts in this game. There were a bunch of huge old linemen. Nobody, the ball was only thrown. The winning team only threw the ball once and it was in the fourth quarter with their substitutes in on fourth down. And the losing team threw the ball, like I think 10 times only cause they only cause they had to, uh, the field was a muddy mess. One of the only grass fields I've covered since I were on a game, a grass field I've seen since I've come to Illinois, all the bigger schools have turf. Uh, and the wind was blowing 50 miles an hour. So my hat's flying off my head. I'm like falling backwards repeatedly throughout the game. Leaves are going like over the into the kids' faces while while the game is being played. Uh, banners, flags flying all over the place. People on the stands are like moaning and complaining the whole time. And you can hear it audibly throughout the game. But ultimately, the favorite team won 42 to 0 and ran for 440 yards. And all they did offensively was put like seven guys on the line, put two wingbacks who didn't even like turn in. They were just like straight. They were like split backs who lined up in a traditional wide receiver stance and they put them inside the tackle. So sometimes they do like little counters and traps and stuff. But ultimately they gave it to the same kid on like two thirds of their run plays and he ran for 317 yards by my count. So you just, you got, you got a lot of information there, but it was all things considered a lot of interesting aspects to that game, including uh i wanted to die by halftime and um just really wanted to leave very badly and couldn't so do the parents yeah i'm sure the the, the south the parents of the losing team south they uh, probably wanted to leave too and ultimately um you know i left and uh got some good food and it was all good so yeah but like that whole day like across the whole midwest it was just stormy as hell windy as hell like you just said and like i didn't go outside and cover any football games like you did on that saturday but i did watch like you know some of the pregame of northwestern and ohio state and we all saw you know the kicker was trying to kick it you know 30 yards away and the wind just like made the ball stop like right there and i was like oh that's gonna be that kind of day and it was across that like the whole midwest was like that just like shitty as hell shitty as hell and the mac got to avoid it the Mac got to avoid all of it because they played out Saturday last week and then Tuesday and Wednesday to open up some action and nothing on Saturday. 
But Justin, my question to you to uh, to, ent- to introduce you here, would that have been a good enough excuse if, you know, if Western and Bully Green had to replay their game in horrible conditions? Do you think they would have had a, a worse score than that? In no, it would have been, exactly, would have been exactly the same. <laughs> that, oh, man. That, game, that game's eternal. It, it can be played in any conditions and you'll have the same result. It would have been so more dumb. entertaining to watch, probably. If the Honestly, yes. About an hour, yeah. Yes. Longest pass of the season by both teams. <laughs> yeah, I. We're not gonna go too deep into that route, but uh, fellas, it's good to have you know the whole family back again. Last week we had a bye week, uh, kind of impromptu, but you know what? We all need it. Everybody gets one, uh, except we get a full two weeks in our break when it comes to bye week. These Mac teams, they only get like 10 days. They get like an extra two days off. That's like the worst. It's like the Thanksgiving break of bye weeks. Sucks to be them. Um, Justin, let's catch people up. Uh, do you want to run down the scores that the Mac had over the past uh, couple of weeks? We only had two games in week nine and then uh, four games in Tuesday and Wednesday last week. Um, sure. Uh, but first... Glenbard West High School. Do you guys remember the uh, the the ESPN show Dream Job? Do you remember when they did that? They had a bunch of people like the reality show where they came in to like try out to become like sports center anchors. Uh, not really. It rings a bell, but I don't remember ever seeing it. The guy that won it was a uh, Glenbard West class of two thousand. Guy by the name of Mike Hall. Uh, he currently works at Big Ten Network. Um, so was, <laughs> when you pivoted to the Ohio State Northwestern game, I was like, "Oh my god, how cool would it be if he was working the game this weekend?" <laughs> I can't, I can't confirm. He might have been, uh, which would be super cool if I was a, a better researcher. Um, week nine, Eastern Michigan missed their chance to uh, take control of the MAC West. Um, they had a ten, or they were leading going into the fourth quarter, but. Toledo outscored them 10-0 and won the game 27-24. Um, Miami lost to Western Michigan in, the week, in week eight and went into week nine against Akron on the road. And, um, you know, you'd be forgiven for thinking that uh, maybe Miami might just be the worst team in the MAC, but we know that it's Akron now. Yeah, it's teams that uh, do the longest two-point conversion attempt of all time. Mm. Yes, yes. If you're doing a two-point conversion from the 49 in a game that's already out of reach, you are the worst team. Yeah. Um, Akron had been improving, like, pretty steadily and then just hit a wall against Miami. Um, so, A team that, like, is essentially, like, the uh, the speed ramp in a Super Mario Kart game. Like, once you hit Miami, like, you're getting you're, – you play so much better now because Miami kind of sucks. They're still – pretty good on defense so i guess it makes sense that akron struggled to score but um yeah 27 27 points out of that 27 and 9 oh. yeah yeah it's an offensive explosion by their uh and, and brett caffert's back and they just haven't kind of hasn't fixed everything nope. uh just unfortunate for them week 10 um ball state now puts itself in a position with a showdown with Toledo mm-hmm. to get its shot at taking over the Mac West. They beat Kent State 27 to 20 um, in a pretty thrilling game, uh, a game that featured quite a few Colin Schley mistakes <laughs> at the end. Um, 
just want to say on that game, that's kind of the dark side of Maction, right? Which is like you've sort of surrendered your in-person attendance for gambling eyeballs. And then what happens, like, I don't know if anybody um, saw Shalise's mentions um, on that night uh, when he slid short of the sticks. I saw the one that you shared. Yeah, on fourth down. Um, that's kind of the dark side. So I would like to see the Mac kind of help out there a little bit, but... I don't know exactly what they can do, um, but it kind of puts these kids under quite a big microscope. Pretty unique one because, like, even in big time college football, with the exception of the playoff or like a major bowl game, you're not usually like the only game or two on TV, mm-hmm. um, even in that situation. So that's, um, I don't know. That was pretty. That was a pretty big bummer for what was pr- a pretty exciting game. Um, also, pretty exciting was the goddamn Ohio Bobcats. Caleb, the Bobby's got the Bobby's got hot. They said don't let them. People are letting them. They won 45-24 over Buffalo. Um, in a game that honestly might not have even been that close. I think the like, most impressive part in all this is that I haven't had to see like Tim Alvin do the gritty once. Mm. Like I've just been able to enjoy Ohio be good at football and just actually like light it up and like, you know, keep margin like the wins at a marginal distance at that too, you know. Like, we were kind of complaining. I was complaining that they're playing, like, all these exciting high-scoring games. But it's like, okay, but you're letting Fordham put up 52 points. Like, no, it's not that good. Uh, no, you held Buffalo to 24 at that. Two scoreless quarters. That's a, that's a great good job. It's an excellent job. And the defense improving like that kind of, I don't know, that might be the favorite in, like, the whole thing right now ohio yeah i mean we, we were pretty sure it was buffalo last week they just beat them pretty convincingly yes yeah, one, like. on, one not on buffalo um i know they beat toledo but they did it with one really good quarter to, buffalo's played a lot more really bad quarters than good ones over the last two games mm. um so i think they might be pretty vulnerable maybe they're kind of coming back down to earth or getting figured out mm. um but they just didn't really have an answer for ohio's firepower and ohio had an answer for them uh, even some giveaways from Ohio. Uh, the best part about this game was the graphic that they showed. I think it was supposed to be like a graphic of uh, of like O'Shawn Allison, I think. And it, they used a picture of like one of the assistant coaches <laughs> um, who was definitely not in his early 20s. So that was pretty cool. Um, we talked about Western Michigan Bowling Green. We're not going to talk about it anymore. Um, yeah, I don't know. Bowling Green's four and one. Can't explain it. I, yeah, no, it doesn't make sense. It? And, like, they also had two scoreless quarters last week. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's just an outright uh, terrible game. It, it was one of, the, <laughs> it's one of the worst football games I've ever watched. Um, I, I don't get ESPNU, so I've been praying, like, every week that Western gets put on ESPNU, so I don't have to watch it. Um. I know that I can find ways to watch it, but like I'm just like begging for even the smallest obstacle <laughs> to, to be put in my way. And uh, they play NIU on the U next week, so can't wait to not watch it. Central Michigan, speaking of NIU, <clears throat> um, pretty much handled NIU. They staved off a late comeback from the Huskies as they want to do. Central Michigan wins 35 to 22. NIU has asked a quarterback whose name i had never heard of before to come in for 33 passes which usually isn't a recipe for success i don't know i just think 
NIU is uh, they've they've packed it in and they're ready to play for next year. I guess. Yeah, it's, it's I nice. have insight about that. All Let's right. Hear. So I could have interrupted and been like Ohio, 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 but I'll stop that for now. Uh, NIU, their quarterback from Scully, actually what he went to New Trier High School, which is like just north. It's in a very like well-to-do area just north of where I live. Uh, it's one of the biggest school districts in the state. I saw him play in person. He did not really do anything impressive. There was no point where I was like, wow, this guy. Like, can't wait to see where he goes. He was just, you know, he was a quarterback for a good team. And right now his younger brother, who was, I believe, a junior this last year, played wide receiver for the same high school, is like a more intriguing, better prospect as a wide receiver than the older Kremiscoli is as the quarterback for NIU. And I was going back through uh, Eddie Carifio, the uh, Daily, uh, DeKalb Daily Chronicle sports editor, my former boss. I was going through his tweets and about who the, the quarterbacks were in the spring. And he basically said, like, Kremiscoli is like the sixth or seventh option, which kind of verified what I was thinking, which is there was no expectation he was going to So you're, see seeing, you're seeing his playing time is just a recruiting angle at this point because they're already out of the race for like literally anything else there was no expectation the student was going to play they did not recruit this guy with the expectation that he was going to play as a freshman there was no thought that that was a possibility and here they are now i have a i have a follow-up question to this and like you you covered the team at a point where like you know the same that i'm about to say how come we haven't seen dustin fletcher yet is he hurt he's the kid that they signed out of flint michigan you know, I've had, I I was wondering when you were going to talk about talk, ask me about that in the pod. I don't have an answer for you. Hmm. Um, I never, I only ever heard them rave about him before he got to campus. Right. After he got and that's, there, and I, that's I, always I, how it is. Like everybody's like, oh, super super good. I've heard almost nothing like in in the aftermath of him ever arriving at NIU. It's never like Dustin Fletcher, uh, Dustin Fletcher impressed and and practice reps. Dustin Fletcher did this, whatever, whatever. He just doesn't even get mentioned. He's just lost in the in the wash. I don't even know. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it's probably, yeah. Things change once you get to campus. They always do. And that's always hard to predict. Like, you know, I I wish my wish as signing day looms and like we get ready to like think about how we're even gonna like consider talking about this topic and all that. My wish for like people that follow this stuff at the Mac level is just like don't get so caught up in like the like the decimal places and like just like the granular numbers of like, like the ratings and all that stuff. Like it's so, it doesn't matter. They're just three-star kids at most. Like once this becomes a league where like, you know, Hey, Toledo has, you know, some four stars coming in and Miami has like some four stars coming in. Once like you can actually get to that level, then like the star rating and like all that part of the conversation, that part will matter later. But like, it's the Mac. Don't get caught up in like reading about how many three stars you have, how many two stars, how many unranked kids you have. It's none of that stuff really matters, especially now in the transfer portal era. It's gonna be super, super irrelevant as a conversation. Like, if you're gonna like look forward to how you know your team did during signing day, you know, is this kid whatever? Look at where the kids come from, what positions were filled. And how the coaches went about it. Did they sign high school kids or were they in a rush and went to get transfers? That will tell you more about your team more than 
oh, is is this the 23rd best running back in the state or was this the 31st? Well, this website says they're the 17th best running back in the state. Like, don't even, just don't, don't, don't. It's all good. Just look at the profiles of the kids and actually get to know them. Don't get caught up in the star ratings and all this shit. So, uh, and Dustin Fletcher, you know, that's a kid where, you know, if you were following Mac recruiting at the time, like you probably could have got caught up in like thinking about NIU's potential with Fletcher and thinking about him as like, oh, maybe he's going to be the QB two coming out next year, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, that it's, it's just one of those examples. Cause like, that's why I'm asking about him three years later. Cause like he was that kid that they had like highly touted and like NIU thought they had a good one coming in and rightfully so he was really talented, but he just, you know, just kind of sucks when like we see these talented kids kind of come in and they don't always pan out. It's just kind of a little bit of a bummer, but my yeah, and just, the real strategy it. is that you should get, transfers from power five schools that come in and end up being like the best wide receiver in the Mac. Right, Caleb? Dude. Good transition. I mean, look, some schools are getting those guys, right? I mean, Ball State has done a decent job of getting a couple of those guys who made a difference the last couple of years, right? Thinking of Deshaun Jackson, obviously. Long division, but yeah, sure. Let's talk about Ball State, how they're doing that. Well, did you say the East? Because if you did, I blanked on that. Well, I'm trying to tee up for Sam Wigless here. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we're all, very, to... we're all very excited about Sam Wigless. Dude... Are you trying to not jinx him? Are you trying to pretend he doesn't fucking exist? No, last, he, was, he was in my, like, uh, what did we do it? Our top three bottom You did, three. you did, yeah. That's why we're, That's why I'm, like, very, like, appalled that you were like, oh, well, you know, Ball State, yeah, of course, because they, they got the Cincinnati, no, not the Cincinnati, but the, the Vanderbilt transfer. Like, no, no. Literally, Ohio State <laughs> wide receiver came to Ohio <laughs> And is lighting it up. Wiggles, and here you are. Wiggles, like, never played at Ohio State. So it's funny because you're like, is there supposed to be an expectation that he's supposed to do something? Yeah, but there's a reason. Like, most humans on Earth couldn't play and compete with that wide receiving core <laughs> in Columbus. Which is like, which tells me all I need to know about Sam Wiggles. That, like, he showed up to campus and saw those guys and was like, yeah, I belong here. I can do this. Because he's that dude. He's, he's really good. He stayed there for I think right. four or five years. That's right. what in I'm fairness, he, in like, fairness, like, in fairness, I'm gonna do it. In fairness to this whole conversation, he wasn't exactly like a four star when he went in. He was a walk on, but even still, man, that's what I'm saying. He walked. He like saw all of that around him and was like, "I can be this." And like, he's right. <laughs> he's awesome. What was his? I don't know if he had a recruiting ranking at all. It's not like he was like a. Doesn't matter. He's still a walk-on. Okay. With the Wigless thing in mind, I gotta say more about Ohio because, like, every week we can talk about Rourke and like you know how efficient he is, how how they good they are at throwing the ball around. Ohio, Ohio's defense is in a complete one eighty. Ohio is running its like sixth, seventh, and eighth string running backs. A kid who's a six-year player, uh, Netherton had his first college touchdown and he's in his sixth year of football and he was taking meaningful snaps in like a one possession game late in the game against Buffalo. They the guy are with playing, the last name Toledo. Uh, the fuck? Uh, what? Ohio has a guy with the last name Toledo. I'm, I'm just not learning this. He's only had four carries, I mean, but yeah, what? no, like it, it's no, this is going to your point. Like this is like RB, like 
you, you, front row of the stands. Come here. Suit up. That's that's basically what they did with Netherton. He was like not going to play. If I understand correctly, like he wasn't even going to play this year. And he watched the first game from the stands. I don't know if it was because he wasn't. I didn't read it entirely, so I didn't see if it was either he was hurt or um, he didn't do the traveling squad or whatever or whatever it was. But it was like he wasn't even in in uniform the first game. And late in the season, they're asking him to, you know, play in a game, an important game. So and like, like they're playing uh, walk-on running backs who are like freshmen and redshirt freshmen, uh, wide receivers who I didn't know the names of before the season, like Jacoby Jones, uh, big, huge one-handed catch and one of the probably one of the best plays in the MAC in the last couple of weeks, just in terms of just making a crazy athletic play. Um, and so many guys are doing it defensively, defensively for them. Uh, as well, but I'm like, I didn't know half of who these guys were. Like, I knew who Keith Thompson was. I knew who, uh, like, basically uh, Bryce Houston was, but that's <laughs> outside of that. I didn't really know any of these Ohio defenders. And they absolutely stonewalled Buffalo's run game. You guys want to take a guess how many rushing yards Buffalo had in this game? 79. Uh, Alex, 80. I guess. 22. Oh, you, you ass. <laughs> well, Price is right at me. Well, what was, what was I supposed to do? <laughs> they, look, they, uh, they could not get anybody going. And they had to throw the, they felt like Buffalo felt like they had to throw the ball. Uh, Snyder had like his least efficient game of the season. And really all he's been doing for weeks has been like completing uh, 60 or just under 60% of his passes and throwing for 220 yards and, uh, not turning the ball over. And this week his quarterback rating was like 12 and he threw for 230 yards despite throwing the ball 50 times. What the hell is this Ohio's defense? What I, I can't, I haven't, I've watched like little bits of every game and like one or two full games, but I still couldn't really describe to you what the biggest difference is other than just they, they've created some turnovers and uh, of guys who weren't making plays a few weeks ago or just doing it now. They're hitting on the big plays. Like, they're absolutely hitting on the big plays through the air. That's not really a thing that I'm super adjusted to. Like, I'm used to watching, like, you know, Tyler Tattleton, like, make plays as a quarterback, and then Nathan Rourke make some good runs as a quarterback. But I haven't seen Ohio play, like, Toledo, you know? Like, but I, I, I've gotten to the point where I, I know I can expect Ohio to make explosive plays. And I, I, I think a big part of it's scheme-wise – they're not necessarily any more talented uh, at the skill positions. Like Wiggler's is not any more talented than some of the other good wide receivers they've had in recent years. They're, they're scheming it up really well. And uh, Rourke is just making plays happen. So I can, as, as Alex, you know, kindly reminded me, I cannot continue to dog Alvin because shitty Mac or not what Ohio is doing right now compared to five weeks ago is almost unbelievable. The best years of Miami, I can or not Miami. I'm so sorry, I said. Uh, so twenty wow. of Ohio. Uh, let's see, twenty eleven. So right now they're throwing at like nine yards per attempt. Right now, let's see, is that is that accurate? Eight point seven yards per attempt. Uh, twenty eleven. Eight point two. Ohio's been better than I gave it credit for. Different style of football now these days, but seven point eight twenty ten. Ohio's actually been pretty decent. All right, maybe I should rescind. But still, it's not... I just I just think Ohio is just... 
hitting on more of these deep plays than they were the past few years. Okay, seven last year, 8.1, 2020, but that was only three games. 8.6 in 2019. Nathan Rourke, you were actually good. 8.7. Oh, my God. All right, you know what? I rescind everything. Ohio's been – Ohio's always been this good. Under Albin, when Ohio has not had a shit quarterback, they have created decent, decently sized chunk plays, right? Um, they don't always have superstar receivers, but they tend to have at least decently good athletes who can make plays. They've had a few quarterbacks over that time that absolutely could not like get it done, and so the offense really suffered. And last year was so bad, I just wanted to you know cry and fall into a hole. But they've got—I mean, Work is making guys. It's he's he's throwing them open. He's putting the ball in positions that even his brother couldn't, uh, despite being just the overall like multi-faceted threat that he was. So, you know, you can't really beat just having a good arm in college football and in this day and age and making good decisions, because the the receiving core is not the best in the MAC. But any given week, I expect Wiggles to like have 120 yards and eight catches and. Some other receiver makes big plays. Like Cross had four catches for 18 yards, and two of them were touchdowns. Like that shit's not happening. That shit was not happening before. I'm giddy. I'm giddy over here, boys. You should be. I mean, if the defense keeps playing that way, I, I don't know that anybody can beat them. Um, it's important to note, though, that the the bu- the Buffalo game is really impressive, but the offenses that they've played since Kent State uh, have not been good, which has helped. <laughs> um, like Akron, Western Michigan, and a significantly depleted NIU are not exactly the you know best offenses in the world, and they did give up thirty four points to Akron, so they're still on some shaky ground, I guess. But like. They, they answered a lot of questions beating Buffalo the way they did. And now the East is looking, if you knew nothing about the Mac and you just like read the standings for the first time ever and you're like, okay, I'm, you know what? Now's the time I'm going to get into action for the first time ever because I'm 11 years old. I exist. That's a person that exists. I'm going to get into the Mac. Oh, maybe the East is a fun division to watch. Look at, there's four, four and one teams. This is going to be a great finish. What would you tell that 11 year old? <laughs> Go touch some grass. All right, that's good. That's good stuff. Well, that's a good uh, reason to talk about Bowling Green. <laughs> Rolling Green. All right. Uh, Why are you like this? Why are you like <laughs> Well, I don't want to talk about him either, but we can't not. 13 to 9, though. I didn't say we had to talk about that game. I'm saying, like, we, they've... They've got everything in front of them. 102 points scored in conference play. 106 points scored against them in conference play. And they're 4-1. and one. Who does that sound like? And I, NIU last year, anybody except more points? Well, sort of. Like NIU, NIU last year, I still maintain was like not a great team, 
And I don't think even wrong. NIU fans would say that, right? But they were really good at something, and that was oh, yeah, like they, scoring a shitload of points. Like, I and just running it I, through people, right? And I don't want, I don't want to like. I feel like you can't overstate how good Rocky Lombardi has been when healthy. Like, I just think it, he really changes things uh, for that team, but. There's a lot of changes on that team, though. Like, we all knew that, like, they were missing a lot of pieces. Like, Clint Rakovich is, like, sure. as I don't want to call him a Swiss Army knife. Like, I, I don't, I think that's pretty disrespectful, to be honest, uh, to both Swiss, Swiss Army knives and him as a football player. But, you know, he provided a lot of different things. The receivers were good, and they're missing out on some of that. And plus, they were hurt with, like, you know, the, the Rudolph injury before yes. the season. Like, it's, but I want to, I mean, the point I'm trying to make is that like, yes, that NIU team like wasn't as good, but like they did have things that they were very good at. Where I struggle with Bowling Green is I just, I guess in Mac play, the defense has finally kind of been as advertised. Mm -hmm. Like they've only given up. In the last three games, they gave up uh, 18 points to Central Michigan. And that was the most they'd given up. And even against Buffalo, like, the score looked pretty gaudy. Um, but they did, you know, they did have, like, a 14-point swing by fumbling it on the one-yard line on offense, right? So I don't know how, you know, I don't know if 31-14 to 14 makes us feel different about Bowling Green in that game. Probably not. But, like, maybe just in this conference the defense is actually good. I don't know. That's probably about the only thing I can give them. Listen, I can listen to their Mac good all day. Like I, I, I can totally, I understand that because they but, gave up. But they could finish. They could finish four and four in the conference. Like, there's no reason to. It's one of those things where, like, because the conference is down, like, there's no reason to believe that they're going to win any of the next three games. There's also no reason not to think they could just win all three of them, because Toledo's the rivalry game, and we've seen worse Bowling Green teams beat better Toledo teams. Well. One time, early <laughs> they in the, done yeah. It a lot. yeah, they but did it still, the one time. Still, but like, like I'll I'll listen to a Bowling Green Toledo upset. I will listen to it. Mm-hmm. I won't entertain it too much, but I will listen to it. Let's play a first quarter, and then I'll, then we'll talk. That's right. usually my standard. Well, they have to clear the the Kent State hurdle here, which. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe Kent State racks up 700 yards and only scores like 30 points again. I don't know. I mean, we're still in a position where two teams that lost to FT- FCS schools could still end up playing each other in a MAC championship game. <sighs> Very much a possibility. That's um, that's a killer Ohio stat. Ohio really has to stumble at this point, but that also could happen. Is Eastern Bowling Green still the funniest possible make championship game outcome? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, 100%. I just want to make sure, like, you know, there's there's a lot of changes going on. I just want to make sure that we're being consistent about this message in November. Bowling Green's path is pretty clear, right? Like, they would probably have, they would have to win out. Yeah. Um, but if they went out and Buffalo wins out, then Buffalo wins, right? Because they have the tie break. Correct. So they would need Buffalo to lose a game and then beat Ohio. 
I mean, it's probably going to be uh, Ohio BG. It's probably going to be the East title game, right? So, just like Kent, uh, Miami was. So right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, Justin, you're right on that. Yeah, if you're Bowling Green, okay. you have to win out, and you're you're rooting for Buffalo to lose once. Oh, I guess they don't necessarily have to to win out, but like that's the clearest path. Yeah, that, that's that's the best thing um, to think about. Yeah. And then what is Eastern Michigan's path? Eastern, all right, so Eastern has to win out. Toledo has to lose out. And uh, everybody in the West, minus NIU at this point, has to lose a game. If Eastern wins out, then it'll already have beat Central, so it doesn't have to matter there. But you're rooting for essentially Ball State to beat Toledo first of all, and then Ball State to lose to, like, Western or something. Or not Western. Uh, oh, they already did that. No, they got to lose to somebody else, whoever else they play. They play Ohio and Miami, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, it definitely could happen there, but. Throw the record books out for the Redbird rivalry. Yep. Western's still in it. No, they're not. You want to bet? No, no, no. Like, I know technically they're still in it. Like, you can you can talk me into Eastern Michigan because, like, they've been competitive. <laughs> like, I you, can you hear... don't want to see a rematch of Bowling Green Western Michigan in the MAC championship game? <sighs> oh, absolutely not. Oh, Unless they played at the Silverdome site. Yeah. Outside. <laughs> That's where that game deserves to be played. <laughs> you guys said anywhere. No, but like you can't the reason you can't convince me of, of Western's possibilities is that like in in the EMU scenario, like part of it is like, yeah, EMU has to like play up to its potential and it has to like win its games. Like I could I the the baseline thing I have to talk myself into is EMU winning a football game is very easy for me to do. <laughs> I you can't talk me into Western winning another football game this year. Like I know it might happen, but I don't. I can't. I can't be talked into it. I just can't. Like logically, you're thinking they should not win another game. It's like could they? Yes. Sure. But should they? Yeah. Should they? No. They should not win a game. Yet. No. Which is a, a really dark place to be for them, and it just goes to show how like, man, like six years doesn't feel that super long like in real life but in college football years it's an eternity and western michigan is like a shining example of that of how long six years is yeah two years is a long time jesus yeah right like i don't know wme lost a lot they lost a lot of pieces and all of that and like they just they 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 got the close win against ball state and they got, they got a little lucky, in my opinion. And then they stole the Miami game. And that's really, really masking the fact that they just really haven't been competitive at all this year. Like, at all. If you look at... They, they steal the Miami game, and I guess they're technically competitive against Bowling Green, but, like, Bowling Green had that game iced and Western forced a fumble on the one-yard line. Second time Bowling Green's done that this year, by the way. Um... And but against FBS competition since they beat Ball State, 
Western's been basically a no-show. They scored 23 points against Eastern Michigan. They have not scored more than 20 points since, in fact, against FBS teams, Western's only scored 20 points twice this whole year. Oh, you thought Texas A&M was bad. Ugh. Yeah, uh, 23 points against Eastern Michigan, and that, that was a – Western needed a garbage time touchdown to do it. And then they scored 37 against Ball State, which, like – in hindsight, gets weirder and weirder and weirder. But then they scored 13 points against Pitt. Um, they scored six against San Jose State in a game that they might as well just forfeited. Um, 14 points against Ohio. 16 versus Miami. Nine versus Bowling Green. I don't know, man. They did a lot of stuff in the Bowling Green game. Like they, I don't know how much of the game you guys watched, but Tim Lester elected uh, while down seven elected to kick a field goal on uh, fourth and goal from the 14, I think. And the idea was like, if your defense gets a stop and you get the ball back, a touchdown wins the game. Right. But I'm curious what your guys thoughts are on that are on this, because I, in the moment was like absolutely against the field goal because the way Western's defense had been playing at that time, I sort of thought, well, if you don't convert, it sounds kind of nice to make the Bowling Green offense have to start on their own 14. If you're going to do one more drive anyway, and you're down seven and know that you can tie, why would you put yourself in a scenario where, yeah, you're down four, but your offense with a third string quarterback has to play with a long field, which is what they elected to do. I hated it. And it just speaks a lot to like, just don't have a lot of confidence that, the head coach has it under control. That's how I feel. That drive started from the, well, I shouldn't say that drive, but that set it down, started at the eight, and then they moved back to the 14, too. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, that's, listen, that's that's the state of your confidence in the offense as a whole. That That's it. But if there's the, it's like a circular reasoning, and this is what I couldn't get my head around during the game, was like, they basically hid the quarterback for four quarters and then didn't have enough confidence for them to like rebound and take a shot at the end zone for four, you know, 14 yards out. Mm -hmm. But in kicking the field goal, you basically said, we have confidence that Bowling Green is a very good punter, by the way. You were basically saying, but we do have the confidence that he's going to score a touchdown. You know, they ended up having to drive 90 yards away. I'm sure they didn't expect it was going to be a 90 yard touchdown drive that they would have to attempt, but like 80 or even 70 yards. What about the play at that point? And your defense had created tur three turnovers. I just figured that like your best chance of scoring was pinning Bowling Green deep and going for it on that fourth down. Yeah. And then on the ensuing kickoff, they like did a short squib kick and gave BG the ball at like their own 35. I mean, you should just say fuck it and just go for it. Like that's a cool thing to say. You know, that more than the, anything, I agree. I imagine that. the math is, like, basically even on it. Like, I'm, there's, I, I get the argument to kick the field goal there, especially, like you mentioned, taking the negative play. So, you're like, we just took a negative play. We can't afford to burn a timeout and talk about it. So, I got, like, 30 seconds to make a decision here, right? And they send out the field goal unit. A field goal unit that had missed an extra point earlier in the game, too. So, like, I don't – it just doesn't add up to me. You got a quarterback you don't have enough confidence in, but also a kicking game you don't have a lot of confidence in. It just seems like – they didn't give the defense a chance to win that game for them. Yeah, I don't know. It, it seems like in that opportunity, like that's the best chance at any points at all. 
You know, like the offense has shown that like it has no competency on the, it's fourth down. You have 14 yards to go. If it were five yards to go, we'll think about it. But yeah. 14 yards out, like, dude, I don't know. I, yeah. I, again, it's not, I'm not saying it's like, oh, you shouldn't have kicked a field goal and it's not close. But it's like, to me, it was like, man, you are coaching a team that isn't actually out there. You know what I mean? Like, that's a decision you make for, like, a different team, not the one you got. And that just – that was what infuriated me. I'm done talking about Western. Don't that's make good. me do it again. That's good. I, don't, I, I won't let you. This is bringing no down more. the rest of this podcast. No more. I'd, I'd rather, like, talk about oh – what's the team we haven't talked about at all? Central. Oh. Oh, you know what? I know what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how we're all transitioning into basketball season. I want to talk about how even on the football season we're transitioning into basketball. Lou Nichols has been transitioning into basketball on the football field. He fumbled it at least twice against NIU. Um, And yardage to watch because, you know, I did say look out for his yardage this year. And I've been right. Uh, You guys want to guess where he's at right now? For the season? I, I just saw it. So, Caleb, you have to guess. Five hundred forty-two. That's a very good <laughs> guess. Five hundred and sixty-one. I'm pretty good at guessing random numbers. Don't ask me why. It is a fact about me, though. Sports reference says uh, five forty-six. So you're even closer, according to them. Ooh. 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 Caleb, what number am I thinking of? 69. 500, man. I wrote it down. <laughs> I had to. Well, I thought it, and then I'm like, no, think a different number, Alex. Yeah, 561. Uh, do you think he's going to make up uh, the other, I don't know, 240 yards or 440 yards that I said he wouldn't get in these next two games? Probably not, but like it wouldn't be far fetched at all if he did. Yeah, and they all came against Eastern, and then he like flicks me off in the press box. There you go. Mm, are you counting the bowl game, or are you cutting him off at twelve games? What bowl game? Bowl game. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, for playing it out, if, if you give him four games, what you think bowl you can get game? <laughs> They're gonna lose to Western. This is going to be the worst finish to the uh, the Michigan Mac Trophy, like ever. That's saying, and I mean too. <sighs> this series should be played like sooner. I don't rather know, than man. Later. 2013 was pretty bad. It wasn't. It was great. 2013. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, 2013. I Central, hated. I hated that C- season. Central turned the ball over. Central turned the ball over five times at Western and still won. That's good stuff. Western was terrible that year. Central still has to play home to Buffalo, home to Western, and then is at Eastern to finish the year. Yeah, I'm not getting. I'm not giving them three and zero. I'm not either. I'm just saying, like he's sitting at five fifty ish rushing yards. Can he do five hundred yards in four games? Yeah, but there's no bowl game. Yeah, but if there was, could he do it? 
I'm still going to say no. If you don't entertain the hypothetical, he's going to rush for 300 yards against Eastern. I'm still going to say no. What would be worse? Um, just straight up losing to Central? Or be, or beating Central uh, and having Eastern with a record that doesn't really matter? It doesn't really move the needle for you, but Lou Nichols breaks 1,000 yards by like one yard because of a, a game against Eastern. Like, would you rather just lose the game and have him not beat you? Like, have him not beat what your, your prediction? That would be very funny. It'd be very online. I think it'd be good for me. <laughs> so, I'm not going to say no to that. Uh, guys, do we have any more thoughts about the week that was or anything that uh, we want to share about the upcoming week? Because we got games coming up in two days. Or tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Monday. Yeah. Uh, we got an early MacWest championship game, basically. No, we already had Western Bowling Green. You got to stop. We we told you to stop talking Mac about West. it. MacWest. MacWest. Not old MacWest. He didn't say West. <laughs> the uh, current line for Toledo Ball State is uh, Toledo by 11 and a half. Pff, feels high to me. Like, I know what it says on paper, but, like, this is Toledo, and Ball State has been overperforming. I don't know, man. Toledo's, Toledo's home, though. Quarterback. Toledo's home. They're, home. They're home. If they have Daquan Finn coming back, then that's going to be good. That's a good point. If he plays, I don't think there's in as much I, trouble, I, but I really think Toledo's defense is just kicking so much ass, man. Max and Hook is... So good, that guy is a baller. I love Toledo's defense. If there are, if the offense doesn't give the ball away, then yeah, like Toledo's defense gets put in such shitty situations. Like I think we talked about this was that the last pod or like a couple pods ago, but it was like it's pretty simple, man. Like if Toledo doesn't turn the ball over, you can't beat them. Like they have yet to lose a game this year. Ohio State accepted where they weren't turning the ball over a shitload of times. Yeah, I I don't really have like a lot of confidence in Ball State in this one. I should. I should know better, but I don't. Uh, same day, Eastern's at Akron. Don't care. Uh, Ohio at Miami for the Battle of the Bricks. Battle for the Bricks. That's... The, every time this game feels like it should be like incredibly one-sided, it's the other team that wins. Ohio's well, at least like that's the way it's favorite. been like in kind of recent memory. So Ohio definitely should win, which is why Miami will win, right? You stop that right now. Okay. The one, I mean, the one thing Ohio's got going in its favor is that Miami seems completely incapable of scoring more than like twenty-two points. Mm-hmm. And who is? I mean, I'm trying to think of like NIU held Ohio to twenty-four, and like Ohio wasn't particularly bad or anything that day. They just didn't capitalize on some scoring opportunities. Uh, Miami scored 27 last week, but that's against Akron. Uh, their, their previous couple results, 10 points against Western Western and 13 against BG, which are actual good defenses in the conference. Uh, comp- well, Bowling Green is, but whatever. Uh, comparatively speaking, you know, 27 points against Kent. They haven't scored uh, 30 points against a Division One team this year, or against a FBS team this year. And Ohio really just hasn't been getting held down. So 
I 100% get where Alex is getting at because that is how this rivalry kind of plays out. The team that shouldn't win or the team that really has no business competing either does compete or wins. But Ohio just has to not play like shit on the offensive side of the ball, and they should win. Mm -hmm. Because there's really no scenario I see where Ohio gives up more than like three touchdowns. Don't fumble the ball. I mean, that's that's what it'll come down to, I feel like, because we've just seen a lot of fumbles this year. And, like, it's not an abnormal amount of fumbles, but it is no, noticeable just how many times, like, these teams are, like, putting the ball on the ground and that's just affecting the way these things should go. Yeah. It's like, Kent State should be better, but, like, goddamn, six fumbles in a game or something like that. Yeah. Ohio, that could be you. Uh, and I, I, and I Oh, sorry, go. If you have more thoughts about Ohio or something else. Nope. I have a question for you guys. What will be the ugliest game this week? Uh, well, I was going to read down Wednesday really quickly, so that'll help. And I use at Western. And that's the answer. Uh, Buffalo at Central. <laughs> Kent State at Bowling Green. It's either Eastern at Akron or NIU at Western. And I think it's going to be NIU Western because... The ineptness at quarterback for both teams. Like without, you know, I mean, Western has nothing going anyways, even with its starter in. But NIU, like without Rocky Lombardi, it's just, it just looks like a JV unit. It would be very NIU for like Rocky Lombardi to come out and play at like 60% in this game just to kick the shit out of Western. So I think Lombardi's in a situation now where if he plays another game, he can't redshirt. Uh, and if he did that, you know, he'd probably be done. And so I think they're probably, unless I'm missing something entirely, he's not playing again this year and, mm-hmm. uh, we'll be back next year. That's a good point. Yeah. This is going to be the ugliest game then <laughs> without a doubt. Um, especially if Western plays how they did on defense last week, it could be, we might be seeing another like 13 six type thing. I, I was watching NIU CMU in a bar and don't get me wrong. NIU did not look good overall. Like it took some uh, central mistakes, some fumbles, uh, some dumb plays for NIU to even stay in the game. Mm-hmm. But I, I cannot, it's, it's, it's like a, almost a flaw. It's like a character following me. The way that NIU's offense operates, even when it's not succeeding, I'm just as very aesthetically pleased by. They've got all these big bodies in the box, and they use like four different tight ends in the passing game. And you've got some guy who's just ridiculously stoked to catch one pass for eight yards and a touchdown. Uh, roll like you know they roll the pocket out. Uh, they're throwing. Uh, they're trying to create change of direction or on the field with play action. So, like, I'm enjoying watching NIU absolutely suck, but just the way they play the offense, which is very hindered. So this makes no sense compared to, like, what most people expect for the Mac to look like. But Alex and I have talked about it before, what we like about NIU's offense, where you can just watch them go seven yards, eight yards, five yards, six yards. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. Um, You can stop it when there is zero threat of the quarterback completing passes, right? Yeah. So... Maybe, I don't know what Ethan Hampton's status is, but he was the backup and played okay. It, it was obviously a huge drop-off from Lombardi, but 
he certainly Hampton as the backup was nowhere near the worst quarterback in the Mac who was taking uh, important snaps. So if Hampton was back, it changes a lot for NIU. So <laughs> this still could be a game that's like, you know, 17 to 13 or something like that. And it could be really bad or it could be worse. But I also think that NIU is probably going to just find a way to score the ball regardless against Western this time. Eastern Akron has the potential to get really ugly. I I don't like it. It's a Tuesday <laughs> action. I don't know. This team, it, Eastern travels well. It, like, you know, as a team, it, it does well on the road, much better than at home for some reason. Well, I, I won't understand it, whatever. But it has the potential to just, like, let down every once in a while. And if it has, if it lets Akron establish any sort of a run game, me as a viewer, I'm toast. I, I don't know what I'll be able to do. Because Akron is just playing really, really bad. Eastern should be able to win by double digits, but I don't know. If the defense just doesn't play tight and it lets Akron just have life, I don't know, man. Could be looking really bad. So, I'm not going to be caught off guard. That's what I'm saying. Uh, is there anything else that we got to do before we do our uh, top three, bottom three, whatever? I got nothing. All righty. That's the intro music. Uh, Justin, your top three or bottom three or whatever you have planned. My top three is a quiz. Oh, man. Dun, dun, oh. Dun. It's called uh, Where in the World is Dan Enos? <laughs> you know, first... I, I remember that you had something planned for us, but I actually forgot what it was. And now <laughs> I'm glad that I feel like caught off guard right now. Yeah, the uh, if you Google Dan, if you just type Dan Enos into Google, I think like the first uh, question that it autofills for you is where is Dan Enos now? Because it's the question the Internet is wondering. And it's, it's the where is it's the where is Carmen San Diego of the Mac football universe? Exactly. And uh, I got a good feeling you guys can't answer this first question, but it's a two parter. The first is the entry question, which is, can you tell me where Danny knows is right now at this exact moment? And then after that, can you tell me his last three stops? Uh, That's my top three is the last three Danny knows locations. So Caleb, do you know where Danny knows coaches right now? My early, this, this topic was at least somewhat broached. So I guessed Miami. So the first guess was wrong. Um, Let's let's throw a name out there. Let's go with uh, Ole Miss. Hey, Alex, what's your? I'm gonna go Colorado State. No, that's the wrong answer. No, I don't know. I I don't know. I'm saying Colorado State though. Whatever. He's the offensive coordinator at Maryland. What? Oh. Yeah. He uh, stayed OC. in the East. OC and QB coach. Yeah, Alex, uh, before we started recording, Alex said that I think he's somewhere out west. And I wanted to say, if you're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, you are correct. (laughs) But no. Um, Do you know where Dan Enos was before Maryland? I should say, 
the job before we, we all can name many places Danny Dust has been before Maryland, but what was the job he had right before he took the OC job at Maryland? This was in 2020. He's been at he's been at Maryland for two years, by the way. Oh. Was Miami involved in that now? Was it Miami? No. I will give you Miami, but that was 2019. Okay. Oh, all right. Wow. All right. That's a good guess then. Yes. So what is the team between his stop at Miami and Maryland? I don't know. Uh, I, I want to make up. a guess, though, because it's I'll fun. throw a name out there. San Diego State. Syracuse. No, Cincinnati. Oh, what? oh, really? Yeah, running backs coach and I think associate head coach at Cincinnati. Huh. Really? Yes. Uh, the Dan Enos... The Danny, the full Danny. How is he always uh, hiding out there in plain sight? He's so, so like good. I. He has to be running from someone. <laughs> running in plain sight. <laughs> he's like he's running from someone who's extremely dangerous but very unmotivated. <laughs> where he like can still maintain a relatively high profile job, but like is hiding from this person. Um. The entire Danny knows uh, coaching experience. He starts as a. Graduate assistant at Michigan State. He then goes to Lakeland. That, that is a uh, private university with its main campus in Plymouth, Wisconsin, according to Wikipedia. He then spends 1996 as an OC at Northern Michigan uh, for one season. And then 97 and 98, he is at Southern Illinois as a QB wide receivers coach. In 1999, he is the OC at Missouri State. And then he spends two seasons at Western Michigan as a quarterback's coach, 2000, 2002. 2003, North Dakota State, OC. 2004 to 2005, he's the quarterback's coach at Cincinnati. He spends one year as the quarterback coach at Michigan State. Gets, I guess he played quarterback at Michigan State, so like, yeah. would this be a demotion? In 2007 to 2009, he's now the running back's coach uh, at Michigan State, so he, he stayed there, but he was no longer the QB guy. And then he is the head coach at Central Michigan from 2010 to 2014. He spends 15 through 17 at Arkansas. As an OC QB's coach. Oh, yeah. Central Fans remember that. 2018 at Michigan as an offensive assistant. Uh, I think that's where he's running from. He's running from someone that was at Central. You know what? Yeah, that's true. We'll have to to do some research about who was there at that time who might might be chasing Danny Nose. Uh, Then Alabama, which I think we knew. Um, And then Miami, Cincinnati, Maryland. A lot. That's a lot. It's a twenty-year span. It it is. It's a lot of like a lot of job changing, and like geographically, from East Lansing to Wisconsin to uh, Sault Ste. Marie, or sorry, Marquette. Apologies, Northern Michigan, uh, Marquette. Uh, then to Southern Illinois, um, Missouri State, Kalamazoo, North Dakota. Ohio, back to Michigan, uh, back to East Lansing, Arkansas. It sucks that he was like he could never take the Iowa job because that's where people would find him. You know, Enos has on a real note. Enos has the resume that like he, like someone in the group of five could hire him without taking flack for it. Oh yeah, definitely. But like he makes so much more money now. Yeah, no, this is a better life for him. He doesn't like being a head coach. 
Yeah, I mean, like his head and his from his head coaching days, like he gets so mad that he blocks people like me on Twitter. Exactly. He doesn't need that. He was like, I was a head coach for Central Michigan, and I blocked people on Twitter. That's what life. Sometimes you wanna go where nobody knows your name. <laughs> Caleb, your top three, bottom three, or whatever. Um, so I guess bottom three, because I'd say some of this tongue in cheek. I, I wish I knew, even after a win, I wish I knew what Central Michigan wanted from its quarterback. The bottom three aspect of it. Yes, they won. Like, okay. Like I don't have to be harsh, but McElwain's supposed to be a good coach. And I, I'm going on like three straight years of never really thinking I understand what they're doing on offense, even when Nichols is absolutely rumbling, bumbling, stumbling, doing his thing, then that's not happening this year. They don't have the same tools, yada, yada, give credit to Alex. Uh, and it keeps making me go back to that thought that Justin brought up about, is it time for the Mac to clean house of like all of the legacy old, the older legacy coaches. <laughs> and I say this after a central win. So, and after Miami wins too. So I don't know. Uh, other part of the bottom three, Akron, God bless them. I know the the team still has to stock up on talent and they have to get more heads uh, guys in there. They've got receivers that are, you know, putting up big numbers, but God freaking iron or every week, uh, irons is throwing the ball like 50 times and they're just getting like, they're not scoring points and it's just, it's rough. Right. Like, and it's not like Akron's been at the top of the league much in the last, in our lifetimes really, or, uh, mostly since you know we were in college where they have a really up there with any consistency so it's not really surprised this is still happening but you know I digress from that point uh, finally I guess I I think it's it's really that I guess the third point isn't about any particular team it's just I head into every week like there's there's an entertaining factor about every team being able to beat like almost any every other team. There's very few instances where it feels like somebody couldn't beat somebody else. But the quality of the league this year actually hurts to like witness. Yeah. And maybe like we kid about it a lot and maybe without being super serious, but like on a serious note, it is discouraging to see the league have this bad of a year. I agree. And like, yeah, so getting real for a moment, it is rather unfortunate to see the overall quality of the league suffer this much. Yeah, no, it's not good. Like, it doesn't matter about like how good of like, like a success of like the podcast. Like it's not, people aren't interested in like us hearing about how bad the league is like, and that independent, it doesn't matter because we don't want to watch Western put up only nine points. We don't want to watch Bowling Green only put up 13 points. We liked it better when Roger Lewis and Matt Johnson were there and they were doing things every week, not when NIU's on QB7 and Ohio's on. While doing well, we don't want to see Ohio be on, like, running back nine. And then, like, the whole league have to suffer for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Like, it's just just hasn't been good. Even with the ones, could be better. The floor is so incredibly low right now, and the ceiling is 
lower than it's been since I can remember. Yeah. That's why I always want to fight with people when they're like, the Mac's an underrated conference. No, it's not. It's perfectly rated. I'd be, I would feel so much better about this league if there were just two really good teams this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's lacking. I think like there's like a much deeper diagnosis that I'm not smart enough to know exactly why it's bad. Um, Cause like Alex, you talked about the recruiting rankings earlier. Like they don't look that much different than they were like six years ago. Conference wide. Like, I don't know if the five year talent composite, like if you took all 12 teams is that much worse than it was. Mm-hmm. It's just that maybe a lot of those guys are leaving. I don't know. It doesn't but help like, that FPS is just getting bigger. It's like, getting bigger. Like there's, and that's to say like, you know, 10, like if, if you think about it, like 10 more schools or 12 more schools have basically been added to FBS over the past like decade and a half thereabouts, mm-hmm. which is like, what's, what's 85 times 10 more schools. That's 850 more lottery tickets being like scattered around at the FBS level at the recruiting level every year. You know what I mean? Like at a time when football participation is falling. Yeah. And it's just so like, like but this this drop has been fast. Like the Mac was bad last year too, but it wasn't this bad. Yeah. The, the transfer portal doesn't help either. Like No. East, Eastern found itself at this point, well, I shouldn't say at this point last year, but like at the beginning of the offseason, who was out the door? Both of its both of its quarterbacks. How do you how do you do that? How do you fix that? Like it takes forever. Like Eastern should be thankful that it's been able to do as well as it has you know, having to replace QB1 and QB2. And, like, that's, like, only, like, you know, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to transfer portal problems, like, affecting the overall health and the leading into this mess right now. And I'm not – and you guys know me. I'm not, like, oh, transfer portal is bad. Transfer portal is bad. Like, you know, it just it just has effects. It just has effects. And this is one of them. And I'm open to the possibility that, like, the some of the coaches in the conference now aren't as good at it in terms of the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that could be it too. But it is worth noting that, like, I mean, you talked about Eastern and Buffalo too. I mean, both there's two teams in the Mac that have guys starting for teams that are very good right now. <laughs> in the, I know Cincinnati's not technically G5 anymore, but like in the G5, playing for, in Ben Bryant's case until recently, a ranked team, you lost some good players. Yeah. Kyle, Kyle Vantry's playing very well at Georgia Southern. Um, by well, the Kyle Vantry's thing, like he's a grad transfer. Yeah, like, true. He's I mean, old, like whatever. Sure, I, but I like, can't get mad at that. Right? No, no, no. No one's mad about it. But, but it's that, just that, that said, like, he didn't know, that's stay a, at Buffalo as a destination school. So. Right. Um, by S and P Plus, this is the worst Mac football season ever. Well, like, those are some those are some metrics I can believe. Uh, like it's not <laughs> particularly close. Yeah, no, and like especially at a time where like everybody's figuring out like everybody that matters in in terms of like ESPN head honchos and all that stuff, right? Like who's gonna get relegated out of this? The Mac is like right there. Like we're if not, like I don't know what relegation is gonna kinda look like. I think it just means that we stay FBS and we stay, you know, on ESPN plus for the most part for like half of our season again. Like I think that's just ultimately the future of it and that we just never get you know 
Yeah, it's it's not that it can't get better because it's gotten better in the past. Um, like the most recent, I mean, just sticking with S and P plus, the most recent really bad Mac season um, was uh, 2013, and like that was being drugged down by a really bad Western Michigan and a really bad um, UMass, and I guess Eastern Michigan as well. Central Michigan was a four win team, I think. So it had a really bad bottom. But three but, years three years later, we you know, um the Mac put a team in the Cotton Bowl and the conference rose as a result. And so I think um like Caleb, your point, like you just wish there were two really good teams this year. Yeah, I think people in the Mac offices do too. Because <laughs> like that's usually the difference is like, can you drown out your bad teams with a couple really good ones in the Mac? And if you do, your conference looks stronger. They don't have that. It was supposed to be Toledo. And it was supposed to be Miami. And it just didn't happen. Shit, even NIU had everybody back, right? Um, I don't know. It's a huge bummer. I mean, the, the, the like, weeknight gamblers don't give a shit. Like, they just think everyone sucks anyway. <laughs> Yeah, but like and, and like, gambling's gambling. Like that that'll be there sure. when it's there. Like, games are games. But like, yeah, for like you for you to matter in like, like the like the heartbeat of like the social consciousness. Like, your brands have to be like known and understood, and like you have to have players that like you know they have to stay healthy and all that. You can't like, we can't complain too much about that. But like, that is a factor in all this. Like there has to be recognizable figures, and like Toledo has to look like Toledo every time people, you know, sign up to watch them on a Tuesday night against like NIU or whatever, right? And NIU at the same time has to look like NIU. But when those two teams aren't looking like normal, then yeah, the disinterest is just generally going to be there, and it's hard for us, the diehards, you know, to like try to get other, you know, new fan, new friends into this. All this, you know, like it's hard to like introduce the Mac when it's looking the way it has this year. Uh, and you know, some of it has to do with like, you know, the coaches are funny duddies too, but like that's a topic for an old podcast too. On a kind of simple, simple brained note, there aren't, when you think about it, like nobody's getting an explosive offensive fire powered games too. So like we're not talking each week about how excited we were about like oh like there's like a game a week or two a week that like oh man this game what a, what a, what a thing oh man that team they did the thing <laughs> there's been no like fifty two forty nine games no sixty three forty five games anything like that and you don't need that to have good football but goddamn it it's fun to talk about mm-hmm. and we don't get we aren't getting any of those this year. Nope. General, my theory is like for like the solution to like what could solve it for like what could make the Mac better as a whole. It has to come from like the local talent around like these states of like Michigan, Illinois, Ohio, Indiana. It has to be there. It just at at a high school level. At a high school level, we just have to figure out how to be like Alabama. You know, like how to be that good of like local talent for these G five teams. And then, like, on top of that, these kids have to want to go to the MAC. So, 
they're, they need to figure out how to get kids interested because going out and trying to find like all these like you know recruiting holes and all this stuff like it's not gonna it's not gonna work when like there's more teams ballooning up to the FBS level like Kennesaw State's gonna be another example of like why is the Mac gonna keep falling behind because you know a recruiting hotbed of Atlanta is just gonna like okay, it's, it's going to go away when Kennesaw State moves up to the CUSA and like is an FBS program and can actually like handle and, scholarships like that. And they have histories of winning and fan bases giving a shit that are absent the need to be like belonging at the highest level, right? Yeah, so this is how you like, get stuck with Like the Kennesaws, the Georgia Southerns, the App State. It's like there's a give a damn about those schools that is like we give a damn no matter who we play. And I think just culturally speaking, like the Mac doesn't have that every year. No. These fan bases pretty much across the board. And this isn't, I'm not like blaming anybody. It's just is what it is. Like kind of just don't give a shit unless the team's really, really good. Mm -hmm. And then the second they stop being really, really good, it doesn't mean anything to them. Um, And like, it's a cutthroat sport. Yeah, that's not to say it doesn't happen in the Sun Belt. By the way, like I, th- I don't know who the guest picker was for game day for Georgia. Oh, it was, a, it was a Sun Belt alum, so. but it's a Georgia Southern grad, right? So, like, that's this. I'm not saying that this isn't like this is like a Mac specific thing. I just think more than like I don't know. Relative to the G5, Mac's got some big stadiums that nobody fills, um, and it's just not a thing. It's certainly not a thing anyone gives a damn about when all the teams aren't that good. And I don't think, like, the fan bases are dumb either. Like, I think they can tell the difference between a team having a good season and a good team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know that anybody at Bowling Green is, is like, under any delusions about what's going on there. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I feel bad because, like, you should be enjoying the hell out of that. Yeah. Like, I think I tweeted on Saturday, it was like, who cares if you won ugly you won enjoy it it doesn't happen very often like buffalo should be enjoying the hell out of this toledo even should be having fun ball state should be having fun there's a lot of like fun to be had here for like each of these teams and i feel bad being like i I try i really don't want to be like oh yeah well actually this game that you just enjoyed these teams actually suck like who cares but like as a like existential problem we have to talk about it at some point, they've got to get better. Uh, I have a few bets. There's not like, I, I don't gamble too much these days. Uh, not that I don't want to, but, and there's only so few lines that are open right now for this next week of games already. Uh, so here are a few bets. So if you want to lose some money, listen up. Uh, for Toledo and Ball State, over is at 50 and a half. Hit that. Uh, Toledo, 16 and a half, says FanDuel. Take the points. Take the points for the Bulls, too, at three and a half over Central. And also in that game against Central, take the under at 47 and a half. Uh, that's my advice if you want to lose some money this week. And boom goes the dynamite. 